0: Everything, whatever you're doing or not doing is either building your brand or diminishing your
1: brand. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Whether you're just getting started in your career or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, this podcast is for you. Here's your host, Sangram Vajray.
0: Welcome to the Flip My Phone community. I'm so excited to uh, to have this podcast and with a dear friend of mine, Jay Bear. People and uh, know Jay. You know you have been all over the place. You are a New York Times bestseller, a keynote speaker, uh, someone who runs Convince and Convert, which is an incredible blog and a community in it itself. So people who are not familiar with, they should go check out Convince and Convert. It's pretty awesome. And I was just checking. This is something I do every time is like before I have somebody, you know, kind of speaking on the podcast right before the recording, I'll go and look at their Twitter feed and see what they've been talking about just to get like excited about it and, and maybe something is very relevant. And I saw that you have like 260,000 followers on Twitter. Like, so let me just take a moment there and kind of say, Jay, welcome to the show. And, and please tell the community who you are and anything I've missed in that introduction.
1: Thanks so much. Delighted to be here. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I've been in digital marketing for 25 years, literally 25 years. When I started in this business, domain names were free. <laughs> you could get whatever domain name you wanted at no cost. That's how long I've been doing this. And that's one of the reasons why I've got a lot of followers is I've just been doing this a long time. I'm an old old man can convert <laughs> in addition to being a media company blogs and emails all those things we're also a consulting firm we work with lots and lots of big companies all around the world on digital marketing content strategy and social media strategy and I also have my own podcast called social pros which is all about social media strategy how big companies use social media and we just recorded our 300th episode wow. so now we're entering the eighth year of that show so pretty excited about that
0: eighth year man I don't know if I can go that long but hopefully I would and be as strong. Yeah, but if you're
1: going to do this every day, man, you're going to get to 300 shows pretty quick. It took me seven years to get to 300 shows. So uh, you'll catch up quickly.
0: Yeah, by the end of the year, based on if we really do it every single day. That's right.
1: right. Yeah,
0: 300 <laughs> will seem like nothing to you. Like, yeah, no big deal. Uh, that would be super awesome to kind of follow through. But, you know, what's interesting to me about this podcast and especially for all of our listeners is, look, you are one of the very, very few people, a rare commodity out there, a rare person, not a commodity, a rare person out there who actually lives and breathes in both B2B and B2C. And I think people need to take a moment to kind of recognize that there's a lot that we can learn from both B2B and B2C. So I wanna kind of dive deeper on it in a little bit, but that's something that everybody can learn from is that there is a, yeah. a page out of B2C that B2B can learn from, I think, every single day. And maybe it goes both ways, but I kind of think that B2C It does go both
1: ways. It really does. And it's intentional on our side. Like, I never wanted to be just a B2B consulting firm. and I never wanted to be a B2C consulting firm because what we learn working for B2C, we can apply to B2B. And what we learn for B2B, we can apply to B2C. And I also will say, and I've talked about this in multiple books that I've written, and I talked about this in utility and other things that I've done, the differences are not nearly as significant as we would choose to believe, right? Like B2B and B2C, yeah, the tools are a little different, and the customer journey is a little different, and the funnel itself is a little different. But it's still – the same thing, right? It's still a business. You still have products and services. You still have customers. You're still fighting for those customers' attention. You're still trying to convince them to give you money. Like, the basics are totally the same. Well, you know, one of the key differences, of course, is that in B2B, you typically have a more considered cycle and you have visibility at the transactional layer. That's one of the key parts, right? It's like if somebody buys in B2B, you know they bought, you know who bought because there's paperwork, right? If somebody buys licorice, like you just know there's no more licorice on the shelf. You don't know who bought the licorice and that causes some challenges on the B2C side to do some of the remarketing and marketing automation and follow-up kind of sequences that we would do in a flip-the-funnel type circumstance but at the core, it is besieged by messages, right? We are overwhelmed with messages and email. We're overwhelmed with messages and social. We're overwhelmed with retargeted advertising. Uh, It's just a lot, man. Nobody's saying, hey, you know what I wish I could get is some more email. Like Nobody says that, right? So in this environment, this hyper-competitive messaging environment, one of the very best ways to succeed is to actually create word of mouth, to turn your customers into volunteer marketers. Word of mouth is 19% of the entire U.S. economy, Okay, 19 percent of the entire economy is driven entirely by word of mouth.
0: Wow.
1: It's even more important in B2B because how do B2B companies make decisions? Well, sometimes you can market to them effectively using the principles that you talked about here in this podcast and the kind of things that Terminus does. But in most cases, B2B purchases happen A, through marketing, B, through sales and C, through recommendations from a friend most people are not going to make a major B2B purchase without checking first with a current customer or a colleague. So word of mouth is even more important for B2B than it is for B2C. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. 100% of companies care about word of mouth, right? Nobody's going to say, oh, we don't want anybody to talk about us. Like no one's going to say that, right? So 100% of companies care about word of mouth. 1% of companies, according to my research, actually have a strategy for creating word of mouth. (laughs) So think about this. You're talking about 19% of the entire U.S. economy, and nobody has an actual plan. They're just like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, word of mouth. Sure, that'll happen. Like, we just assume it's going to happen, and that's a dangerous game to play, I think. So what you've got to do is create what we call talk triggers in the book, which is this idea that you're going to do something strategically different in your operations, so strategically different that it creates conversation. It is talkable. So I'll give you a B2C example. There are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hotel chains in the world. Very, very few of them have a talk trigger. Right. One of them is Doubletree Hotels. Because when you go to a Doubletree Hotel, what happens, do you know, Sanger?
0: No, I've not never been in a Doubletree Hotel.
1: They give you a cookie. They give you a really fantastic, amazing chocolate chip cookie when you check in. And they have done this for 30 years. We did a whole study of their customer base uh, leading up to the book and found that more than 60 percent, 60 percent of their customers have proactively, unaided, told somebody else about the cookie in the last 90 days.
0: Wow, wow.
1: So that and is And you're telling this right now driver. on the
0: podcast, right? And there are hundreds of people listening to it right now. So it really is true.
1: It's absolutely true. Now, let me give you a B2B example of the same thing. We are recording this on Skype, but there's lots of other ways that we could record this. Lots of other ways, of course, that we could communicate via the Internet. One of the ways you can do that is with Uber Conference. Yep. Uber Conference also has a talk trigger. It is their on hold music. You may be familiar. They've got the really funny jingle that when you listen to it, you will never forget it. It sticks in your head. (laughs) If you do a search for Twitter plus Uber conference, you will see tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet of people saying something along the lines of, I hope this conference call never starts because I just want to hear the unhold music.
0: (laughs) That is so funny. That's awesome.
1: Everybody has on hold music, right? Yeah. So they chose strategically to do something different. And this is the key point, Sangram. Everybody has a choice. You have a choice to do something different, or you have a choice to do the same. And in almost every case, unfortunately, especially in B2B, what we do is we play follow the leader. We say who's the leader in our category? Whatever they do, let's do that thing because they must have it right. The problem with that is if you're following the leader, you will never surpass the leader. You will never be better than second. The silver medal is your destiny best case. If all you care about are averages, you will never be anything other than an average marketer. So the key to the talk triggers concept is to understand that same is lame. (laughs) We discuss things that are different. And we ignore things that are the same. So if you want to break out, if you want your current customers to recruit new customers, you have to get your current customers to tell their friends about you. Amazon Web Services does this. Like, So tons of people listening use AWS for something or lots of things, right? Yep. AWS has an amazing talk trigger and we actually talk about it in the book, but we actually use it to some degree as a negative example. Here's how it works. You may have seen this. I'm not sure if you get the AWS bills at your company, probably somebody else does now. But the way it works is that every once in a while when Amazon adds capacity, right, they add servers, they add stacks, they add stuff, right? They will actually send you an email that says, hey, guess what? We just added servers. So our costs went down. So now your bill is less. (laughs) so you're paying them whatever you're paying them you get an email that says now you have to pay us less so A that never happens B you're like holy cow they're just dropped my bill, you're going to tell somebody about that, right? So it's an amazing example of a talk trigger. But the problem is they don't make a big deal of it. They just send out an email. It's like basically an automated message. You can almost miss it. So what they've done wrong is that they have a really amazing differentiator. They just haven't capitalized on it. They haven't used marketing to amplify that differentiator. And that's why this is so important in a flip the funnel world. You have to find something that you do different, and then you have to use marketing to draw attention to that difference. That's the key.
0: Man, I love that. I just made a page, you know, hopefully people are not like stopping and, you know, taking notes while they're driving the car. They need to stop and listen to this again because there are so many incredible points. And I'm going to kind of try to summarize towards the end, but I just took a page and a half worth of notes, especially the one where you kind of got into like the same is lame. And I feel like that is so true in B2B. And I I wonder, there's another tweet that you've been sending out and I've been loving that is that. The number one reason why consumers or customers, you think about B2B or B2C, whatever it might be, number one reason why your customers don't engage with your brand is because you're getting irrelevant content content that doesn't matter to them, that's not, it's just automated. And, you know, when I think about like the sales automated emails, the marketing automated emails, the emails that I get purely all HTML every single day, I think there is a purpose for them, like the newsletters and things and people can get like, yeah, that's a weekly newsletter, it's a roundup. I get that. But when you try to fake personalization, it almost backfires you. And and somebody may not email you back and tell you that, hey, man, that was super lame. But I feel like it really backfires and people are using now the word of mouth in the exact opposite direction to kind of kind of get away from you. So, talk to us about that tweet and that conversation that you're having right now.
1: Everything you send in any format either builds your brand or diminishes your brand.
0: Say that one more time. That was awesome.
1: Everything you send in any format either builds your brand or diminishes your brand. There is never neutral. It's never neutral. It's never zero. So, if you think about a 100 point scale and your average customer, say, is 75 on that scale in terms of how much they love you. If you send something relevant, it moves it to 80. If you send something irrelevant, it moves it down to 60. And this scale is constant, right? So you send a good tweet, it goes up. You send a bad Facebook post, it goes down. You send a good LinkedIn message, it goes up. You send a bad email, it goes down. And so this kind of relationship health is constantly in flux. The problem with digital in general is that it's so easy to send a message. There's almost no unit cost that we tend to oversend, right? We tend to put so much stuff out there because whatever. Like, But what we don't understand or we don't pay enough attention to is when you send something irrelevant, relevant, you're actually committing slow suicide, right? You're poisoning your brand one shitty email at a time. And you've just got to be careful. Like I wrote a whole post about this recently in the context of social media. There's a bunch of new research that said, here's how often you should publish to Twitter. Here's how often you should publish to Instagram, et cetera. And the research was fine from a research perspective. Like I get it. Like there's data that will support it. But the real answer, and this is what I said in the post, the real answer is you should send something in social media when you have something worth sending. Right. And that's true with email as well. That's true with social. It's true with display. It's true with direct mail. It's true with everything, right? So just because you can send something doesn't mean you should. And if you do send something, try. And I'm not the world's best at this either. I, it's a continual struggle for me, too. Try to do something different. You're talking about email. We're doing a lot more video email at Convert and Convert for that reason, right? Because right? it stands out. Like I'll shoot a quick video and be like, hey, what's going on? Great to see you. How's it going? You know, it's just a little different, it just breaks through.
0: Yeah, man, I love that. I think we do that as well, like videos, but like this whole idea of one shitty email at a time, that's how your brand really gets diminished. I don't think people think about it that way. People think, well, you know, especially the Christmas, New Year timeframe was the worst time to kind of see this because I got so many emails oh, yeah. that I know it was automated and it didn't really matter. It was the wrong day, the wrong message, all that stuff because it was so blatantly clear that that's what's happening and the person probably is not even at their desk. They're probably on the like themselves, so that where I already made a mental check in my mind, like I'm never gonna buy anything from them.
1: Well, I got, I, so I made the mistake of buying underwear. No, that <laughs> what well, said. Buying underwear is not a mistake. Um, I made the mistake of I'm buying glad underwear from this particular that. company. Yep. And so, look, you're a dude. Like, okay, like dudes don't buy underwear that often. Okay, <laughs> it's a fairly infrequent purchase. If you're like me, you buy a bunch of underwear and then, like. A long time goes by and are like, oh, time for new underwear.
0: So I buy underwear <laughs> from
1: these guys, right? Online. And I swear to God, I started getting an email every single day. Every day. Do you want more underwear? We've got a different style. We've got a new color. And I'm like, how I'm like what are you thinking? So not only is it not relevant to me, because you know, I'm not buying underwear once a week, certainly not once a day, <laughs> not even once a quarter. I'm thinking, okay is there anybody in their customer base for whom this is working because i don't know of a single person who buys underwear on a every wednesday basis like i just it doesn't make any sense to me so here's the problem with marketers okay every marketer is a customer every marketer is a consumer of both b2b and b2c like we we all are all, every single one of us but yet when it comes to marketing we totally forget that and we say oh well let's do this thing we'll just add another message or maybe that's not super relevant but it's okay We completely forget what it's like to be on the other side as soon as we get in the conference room. Like We know that what we're doing is not going to be embraced by the customers, yet we do it anyway. And what I always tell my team is if you have a question, if if the question is, hey, does this particular campaign have the chance of being less than relevant, therefore not every customer is going to want it, you already know the answer. If there's a chance, you already know the answer, and the answer is stop. Don't press send. Like you already know. But yet we press send anyway all the time, and it's unsustainable. This cannot go on because by the end of next year, customers and consumers and clients or B2B and B2C are going to throw up their hands and say enough. That's why people are going to Messenger and other kind of apps to get out of the maelstrom of all the irrelevant stuff.
0: I love that, man. As a matter of fact, I just finished interviewing and producing the podcast with David Cancel, who is the CEO of Drift. And he made a point that, you know, he's done five different companies and he said, look, uh, you know, one of the things I learned along the way is that, and Mother Nature uh, gift here for all of us, you as a person will always know what is the right thing to do.
1: Just join. listen to yourself. Yeah, yeah. just listen to and yeah, then Yeah, would... Drift is doing it right. He's, he's fantastic. And we call that principle of whether you do it right, we call that in my company, the mom test. Yeah. <laughs> and the way it goes like this is if your mom, if your mom who loves you unconditionally would not respond to this particular piece of content or this message, then nobody else is going to. Right. Right? I mean, if your best customer is like, meh, then it's Don't not going it. to work for your least best customer.
0: I love that. All right, man. So we're about to wrap up. So I'm going to try to summarize the best, but I think there are more nuggets than what I'm about to go summarize. Number one, same is lame. Do not fall into this bit of like, hey, let's just do what the leader is doing and follow them and try to do that. Then in that case, you would never be able to go ahead or get ahead of the game or get to the number one position that you want to. So don't try same is lame game. Uh, The second one, every single time, I love this one shitty email at a time, but every single time you get your brand out there, either you're building your brand or diminishing your brand. That is, I think, a really, really big idea is that people don't think about it, but every touch point, everything that you do on social, on email, on videos, or even things that you don't do, everything, whatever you're doing or not doing is either building your brand or diminishing your brand. The third one was Know your audience. I love the underwear story. I think that's the one that's going to go viral on this thing is (laughs) that, hey, look, know your audience. If they're not going to do the same thing every single Wednesday, do not send them because it's easy for you to do. And the last one, which is really the mom test, uh, and say that, hey, look, treat others the way you would like to be treated. I think that's really the point that you're trying to make there is yes. that do not try and think that your customers live in a different world and they're OK with getting 50 million annoying emails or calls or whatnot. There is a, there's a reason to send emails and re- emails work. Uh, but if you take the time to do it right and calls and do it right and you go to the mom test, which is, I think is a really, really good way to remember and do it. You're going to find that your customers are going to appreciate it. And even if they are not going to buy today, they may buy from you tomorrow just because they like you and they can trust you.
1: That's right. You got it. Well summarized. I like the real-time summary. Nice
0: job. (laughs) I think that's the thing is that all of these podcasts are so cool. And a lot of times you just forget like, hey, what was the point? And the summary is really, really important for me personally because I take a ton of notes. So, Jay. Again, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing podcast, all the things that you shared and good luck with your book, man. We need to get you back when your book is out there. When is it going to be out, by the way? Uh,
1: October 2nd.
0: October 2nd. All right. We'll pin something down and we'll get you back
1: on the show. We'll do it. Thanks very much. Congratulations on the show and all the success. Great to talk to you. All right, Jake. Thank you. Thanks. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world.